Praise the Lord. Y'all doing all right in the house this morning? Yeah. God is great. God, we bless you. We worship you. We invite you into the house this morning. Thankful that he's here. But how many of y'all want more? Yeah. <laughs> Serve a God that's got more than enough. The word says it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So I come here for all I can get this morning. So Saturday was silent. Surely it was through. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? That's our God. And Friday's disappointment, Sunday's empty tomb. When has impossible ever stopped you? Here we go. This is the sound of problems rattling. This is the place we can dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out, I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Oh, y'all lift it up with us this morning. Heaven calls to fire, stirring something new. Your 
can do whatever he wants to. So I hear the sound. I hear the sound. He's speaking constantly. So I hear the sound. I hear the sound. Sometimes like a mighty rushing wind. But I hear the sound. sound. Elisha said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear the sound. So we tune our ears to heaven. I say, I hear the sound. I hear the sound. said over you he's got the last word and I'm I'm reminded of Jesus when he walked in the room with a little girl that Jesus said was asleep everybody else was like no she's dead Jesus is like no she's asleep and he kicked the doubters out of the room some of y'all been hanging around with doubters for a little bit too long so this is what scripture says faith comes by hearing period what are you listening to and who are you listening to We get so caught up in the situations around us and yeah, the doctors, they're smart and the lawyers, they've gone to school and they know some stuff, but they don't have the final word. My God has the final word. So I challenge you, tune your ears to heaven because no matter what the situation that's been spoken over to you, even by some trusted leaders, God says live. So I declare over you every situation in the name of Jesus. You will not die according to the Deuteronomy, but you will live so that you can declare the goodness of my God. Come on, if that's a word for you this morning, will you just make some noise? Let all of heaven hear it. 
and let all of hell know that they can't have it. Come on, God is good. God is good. <laughs> Ooh, almost feel a little Pentecostal for a second, Hope. If somebody had a handkerchief given to me, say, we I, might be in trouble. And I didn't wear bobby pins today, so. <laughs> but you got on shouting shoes. I do, I do. <laughs> oh, God is good. Oh, uh-huh. 
your hands this morning and just give him your very, very best worship. Lord God, we just thank you for who you are most of all. We're so grateful, Jesus, for your grace, for your mercy. There truly is none like you. We give you honor. We give you praise, Jesus. Hallelujah. Not for your peace, carrying me in every season. Where would I be if not for your grace? 
came to my rescue And I want to thank you For your
in this room right now I just want you to lift your hands right now and just receive receive that miracle it's here this morning your miracle is here this morning hallelujah it's released in the name of Jesus your miracle is here your miracle is now hallelujah thank you Jesus we bless your holy name Jesus we thank you for your miracles. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, yes. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Come on, receive it right now. Just say, Lord, I receive my miracle right now. Come on, talk it out this morning. Come on, talk it out right now. Jesus, I receive my miracle. I receive my miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think of that song that we've, we haven't done in a long time, and it just goes, Waymaker, miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Come on, sing it this morning. Waymaker, miracle work, promise keep, light in the
one that gives you joy. If you're in lack of joy this morning, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. So he is a God that gives joy. He gives peace. He gives deliverance. He gives healing. He gives salvation. There's nothing that our God cannot give you this morning. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for it? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We just thank you, Lord, that you are our way maker. You're our promise keeper. You're our promise keeper this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Come on now. Look over at your neighbor and tell him he's my way maker this morning. And he's my miracle worker. Amen. Amen. How many know God is good? You know, I do want to say this uh, real quick. Then I get turned off. No, I'm on. Okay. I just couldn't hear myself. Sorry. There we are. You know, I just want to remind you, there was something I kept feeling in my spirit while we were worshiping. And we were talking about miracles and God doing miracles in our life, the amazing things. And it kept coming to me that some of us are saying, God, if you heal me, I'll serve you. Or you're saying it like this, God, if I give up this or that, will you heal me? And here's what I want to challenge you in just real quick, and then I'll let Megan preach. Is, is this give up the things that you know you should not because you want God to heal you but because you want to serve him well and watch what God will do I just want to share that it was in my heart and I want to share that and, but, but as we go forward I just want to say thank you for being in the house today hey you know what we're in the south and it's, it was kind of rainy today and you came to church you guys are awesome and uh, that's a southern joke for those of you that aren't from the south but anyway I am so glad you're here hey if you take just a second and in the seat beside you around you there's a card and on that card is just some quick information that I'd love for you to share with us and, and here's why and let me say this too that you can get this online as well right on up oh, there it is right there you can text welcome to that number and it will take you straight to uh, the same digital card that we've got physically here but people ask all the time it's like you know everywhere we go somebody wants our information right it's like isn't it annoying come on y'all I'm just being honest you know sometimes it's just annoying so I want to explain to you just real quickly why this is so important because we firmly believe that when you are connected to a house of worship and a community of believers and you're involved in a church you deserve to be known and this is how we do this this comes straight across our desks we want to know you and we want to know how can we pray for you all these different things so this is the first step of saying hey I'd like to get to know you and I want to say thank you for doing that and you can drop it in the offering bucket as it goes by later tonight today you take it to the counter in the back the welcome table as you go out 
There's plenty of ways to get connected. That's right. And then if you are new, if it's your first time in a long time, we have something special. You hear me say it every week, but it is really special and it's a lot of fun. It's a great opportunity for you to get connected with our guest experience right out here in the cafe directly after service. You'll get to talk to Pastor Clay, to some of our leaders, and just get to know each other a little bit better, ask the questions you might need to ask, get the information you need to get. And it's just a lot of fun, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We have a good time. Yeah, and there's one more thing I want to tell you because I'm getting this question a lot. Is And, and I don't want to, you know, uh, the platforms, you know, we don't want to take the platform for personal reasons. But uh, I do take some liberties. Uh, we had a big blessing this week is uh, little Ryan, my granddaughter, was born today. I mean, I don't want to make a big deal about it or anything. She's a big but, deal. <laughs> but she is beautiful. Pastor Michaela, oh, yeah, uh, you didn't even see it. That's my niece. Yeah. So we are so in love, and Pastor Michaela and Alex and Ryan are watching right now. So can everybody just kind of say hi? So anyway, anyway, so thank you for loving them. Thank you for loving the family, and uh, we appreciate it so very much. But you have one more thing you wanted to tell. one more thing, fun little thing. You might see a table right outside here. It's the White Farmhouse table, and you'll see me. And Miss Lauren Beery back here. We are handing out giving statements. So if you gave last year, be sure to find us. We've got a little envelope for you and you might need it. So yeah, we're going to be right out here after church and then the next couple of Sundays, right? That's it. All right. You That's guys. it. Hey, can y'all welcome Grant Ross to the platform real quick? Good morning, Three Oaks Church. Y'all look amazing. You sound incredible. Ushers, if you would go ahead and join me in the front. Uh, scripture on my heart this morning is found in Genesis chapter 22. Fantastic story, but uh, before I get into that scripture, we were talking about God the provider, and uh, I was talking actually just uh, yesterday, I believe it was, um, tell you a quick story. This does not involve Africa. This actually involves here in America. So uh, most of you should know by now, because I say it literally every week, I'm an evangelist kid. Um, <laughs> I sent a, I, a few of them up here on stage are also evangelist kids. And so I sent Trey a, a picture one time. I was going through Kroger, and I saw powdered milk. You remember that? And I took a picture of it, and I sent it to Trey. I was like, you have not been in ministry until you've been made to drink powdered milk. Anybody been made to drink powdered milk? How do they? What? It doesn't make any sense. Anyways. <laughs> so, so anyhow, we're talking about God the provider. And one of the stories is, you know, my dad, we, we moved here, and so we're, my dad is evangelizing. We don't know a whole lot of people, and um, ministry is not the most lucrative of uh, jobs that you can ever have. So if you ever think that the pastor has an easy job, please, for the love of Jesus, I beg you, shadow him. Do what he does for a week, and you will change your mind about ministry very quickly. Anyways, we get home from being off of the road. This is 1991. We have literally no food in the house. The refrigerator has a few ice cubes. The ice tray's not even full. We have, we, we maybe had a can of beans, okay? This, this is God's honest truth. Mom goes, oh, this will, this will date us. Mom goes over to the answering machine. She hits play, and there's, you know, a couple random messages on there, but one stuck out is a, is a young man. He said, hey, my name is such and such. Um, I need to come to your house. You know, God has a word for you. Who in the universe is going to invite a stranger over to their house to give them a word? I don't know. An evangelist 
will. That's just what we do. We're very trusting. Guy comes over. I remember him. He was about this tall, blonde, spiky hair, nice striped polo, tie-dye jeans, white, white tennis shoes. Everything was just perfect with this guy. He comes in. He looks around our living room. He goes out to his truck. He starts unloading grocery bags, Kroger grocery pa- bags. I even remember the truck. The truck was little. It was a little S10, and the back was rusty, okay? It's a small S10. So what doesn't compute in my mind is he brought enough groceries out of the bed of that S10 to fill up our entire living room floor from corner to corner, and he wouldn't allow any of us to help him. He comes, he prays over every one of us, gives us a little prophetic word, and he disappears. We're so excited. We're filling up our grocery cabinets. We're filling up our refrigerator. We got so much that we go to the neighbors. Come to find out the neighbors are also in need. So now they get blessed. We never got the guy's information to send him a thank you card. So mom goes back to the answering machine a couple days later. She's like, hey, I still have his number. As she's dialing, she keeps hanging up and she's confused. And my dad's like, what is the problem? And my mom goes, listen to this. She dials the number. And the answer comes back, no such number. Genesis chapter 22 is the story of Abraham taking his son up to the mountain. And the whole time his son is asking, Dad, where is the lamb? And his answer every time is, God will provide. God will provide. He's asked again, God, where is the lamb? And his dad says, God will provide. And he named that spot. He named that spot. God will provide. One of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. I'm about to go on Martha Menizzi on him for a second. Jehovah Jireh. God is your source. Man is not your source. He's the one in Deuteronomy. He gives you the power to create wealth. So Father God, we thank you for all the blessings that you've bestowed bestowed on us. You pour out more than we could count, Father God. Literally every day you pour it out health, wealth, wisdom, Father God, protection. Your word says in Malachi that you're the one that, that, that rebukes the devourer for our sake. So Lord, press down, shaking together, even running over your word says you cause man to bring it back into us. And so we thank you so much in Jesus' wonderful name. If you love the Lord, can you shout amen? Three Oaks Church, we love you so much. Amen. and welcome in everyone. We'll take a quick minute and just let you know what's happening here at Three Oaks. First and foremost, next week we've got Baptism Sunday coming up. If you're ready to take that next step in your Christian walk, then please be sure to talk with someone at our connection table right after service today and make special plans for that next Sunday. To all of our young families, mark your calendars for our Three Oaks Valentine's Banquet next door in our chapel on the evening of February the 11th from 6 to 8. A beautiful night for sure with a delicious dinner, lots of fellowship, and a wonderful message from Pastor Clay and Miss Tawana. If you haven't already, be sure to sign up with Jared and Leah Sloan in the lobby after service. Three Oaks Men Fairview Pizza in Gallatin will be the place to watch the big game on Super Bowl Sunday, February the 12th. Our men's group will be hosting a get-together to watch the game at 5.30 p.m. There's no need to sign up, but do bring your wallet. We're going Dutch on this party because we've seen you men eat. You know, that's the best part about this church family. We worship together, we work together, and we play together. But you know what? If you're looking for more of that fellowship and friendship, There's no better way than to jump in with one of our Three Oaks teams. Do you have a gift of encouragement? Then come join our team of front door greeters or perhaps our cafe team. 
Do you love keeping things in line while having fun? Maybe the parking lot team is more your speed and they do have fun out there. <laughs> or maybe you love the outdoors and would love to work alongside some like-minded folks in keeping our church grounds beautiful. Whatever team you choose, you can count on making some amazing new friendships and memories right here at Three Oaks. You can always stop by our connection table and get more information on any of those teams. And that's what's going on at Three Oaks. Now let's take a couple of minutes and stand up and say good morning to someone around you. to be in the house of the Lord. And I just want to take a second to tell you how amazing every single one of you are. And I am glad that you are here. Can you just give all of our friends that are here, that are, you just give them a hand, give everybody a hand. A little encouragement. I want to do one thing before I bring the message that's on my heart. And, uh, we're going to take up our monthly missions offering. Uh, I know it's not the last Sunday of the month. You'll need to reset that counter for me because I want every single minute that I have. That does not count. This does not count on my preaching time. So what I want to say is today we're going to take up our missions offering for one of the missions that we support throughout the year. And part of this is because next week is actually the last Sunday of the month when we normally do it, but I have a big announcement that I'm going to make next week, so I'm going to do this this week. So we're going to be taking up a special offering. So ushers, if you can just come right back up really quickly. Uh, I won't spend a lot of time here, but I do want to tell you about the ministry. It's called Save One. Save One is a ministry that provides an answer to part of the abortion issue that we have in our nation. And their call has always been this, is that, you know, while we're working to cease this travesty, to get that done, we've seen a lot of progress in that just this year or last year. What we can remember is this, is that not only do we have a responsibility to stand for that in the life of children, but there are also people that have made mistakes and they need healing. They need someone to walk them through this. And this is what Save One does all across the world. And we are grateful to be a part. As a matter of fact, we've just started one of their chapters here at Three Oaks Church. So if you're interested in being a part of that, then all you have to do is you can send an email. It's all very private, very personal, but you can send an email to Save One 
at threeoakschurch.com and uh, one of the directors will get back with you or you can stop at one of the tables and just ask a question because we want you to walk in the fullness of your healing. So today, everything that comes in will go straight into uh, to Save One Ministries and we are thankful to be a part. So let me pray. Father, bless the givers. Bless every seed that's sown today. And we speak, Father, that you will open doors for Save One in ways that they never even imagined. And that, Father, in our own community, that, Father, that seed will bring fruit, that that people will find healing for their brokenness and their confusion. And you will bring everything that they need to give them the life that you called them to. So, Father, we thank you and we bless save one this morning in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Go ahead, gentlemen. Amen. So as they're taking up the offering, I'm going to go ahead and get started. You know, we've been in a series starting this year called Be the New. Be the New. And you say, well, Be the New, what, how does that kind of get into my heart? And like, what does that mean? And basically, it's about living with big faith in any circumstance. How many know that there are a lot of challenges life throws at you? Anybody ever experienced some of those? I have. But you know what? God has made a way and empowered us to walk with big faith. Big faith. In the first week, we talked about small is big. Now, if you don't know what that means and all the stuff, and you're saying, Pastor, you know, it's like some faith is small. and all. Go back and listen to the message so that you can catch up. Because today, I'm taking another route to help you understand this. And it's all building up to what I want to share with you next week. So I want you to understand, first and foremost, that great things happen on the other side of big faith steps in your life, in your business, in your relationships. It, it, it takes jumping into the deep end. I remember when uh, I knew, I knew that Tawana needed to be my wife. I wasn't sure she was convinced yet, but I knew. And I remember that as we kind of moved through everything, we're, we're kind of going through that moment, and I was terrified on the time that it was, I was asking her to marry me. And you know, I know today, it's like, man, an engagement moment is a big deal, right? It's like, man, it's like a wedding ceremony. I, I, like, I feel sorry for all you dudes. I'm just telling you. It's like the expectation is, let me just say it, ridiculous, right? Because let me tell you, I, I had the most romantic. There's not one that's ever been more romantic than when I asked Tawana to marry me. Here's how it went. I'd come back off the road and we were in her mom and dad's conversion van. It was a big old brown thing. You could have lived in that thing. And I'll never forget as we're in there and I'm watching all this, you know, it's all this stuff. And she was really kind of, uh, she was a little detached in the moment. And, and I said, what's wrong? And she said, uh, she goes, nothing, nothing. And I realized, oh God, I know what that look. I need to get in gear. And I'd made a plan. I said, I'm going to go to the tallest building in Nashville. I'm going to take her up there. I'm going to show her the city and say, honey, this is what God's given us. And I thought, well, that's a little out of there because God had, you know, anyway. So we were in the parking lot on Long Hollow Pike at Kroger. 
I walked around that big ugly van, opened the passenger door, asked her to get out. And I got down on one knee and I was so poor I didn't have a ring, but I had stopped and literally, she still has this, I had stopped at the store and at a bubble gum machine, got a ring out of the gumball machine. You know, the, you remember those? And I put that on her finger and said, I know I don't have anything, but if you'll give me your hand in marriage, I'll give you everything that I have and I will be everything that I can be for you. I didn't need no box with the camera in it. I didn't need any of that. You don't need, just say I love you and let's do this thing, right? So it's very romantic, very romantic. We got back in the van and went to McDonald's. But anyway, <laughs> you know, when we walk through life, we realize that all the big moments of life always take a big step. And sometimes in life, it's a step of faith, and we don't know how to do it or what to do. And last week, we talked about a fishing trip, right? We talked about Peter and them in the boat and all that. But today, I want to take you back to one I referred to. And we're going to open our Bibles into the book of Luke. So if you would, stand to your feet this morning as I talk to you about big faith and what that means for you. Luke chapter 5. I want to just read seven verses this morning. Luke chapter 5. Verses 1 through 7. So it was as the multitude pressed about him, speaking of Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret, the Sea of Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Verse 3. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, who would later become Peter. And asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. There's some powerful truth in here that I want you to walk away with today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this body of believers. And thank you for the opportunity to share in your word together. I pray, Father, today as we sow this seed, that it would find fertile ground, fertile soil in each of our hearts. And Father, I pray this as always, that that seed would grow quickly, and then it would bring back a harvest of good in each of our lives. Today, Father, I pray that when we leave our time together, that we will be better than when we came in because we've been together and in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. You know, there's just something about the deep end. There's just something about it. Do you remember a kid and you're learning how to swim? You know, and it's like, I don't know how, you know, some people are just born with fins or something. You know, it's like they just, they gravitate to the water and they just know how to swim. I was not that kid. 
And as a matter of fact, some of you that, that know me have probably heard this story, and I won't tell the whole story for sake of time, but I remember when I was a kid, I loved water. I loved being in the water, but I really struggled with the concept of not being able to touch the bottom. Anybody else struggle with that sometimes? I mean, it's like, you know, that water. Or when you go in there and the water is dark, like in the lake, and you're like going, I have no idea what's under there. And I've seen pictures of some of that stuff in Old Hickory Lake, and I'm like, something's going to come up out of there and eat me. You know, there are certain things like that that just kind of run rampant in your mind. And I remember that I was uh, probably about six or seven years old. I was thinking about it because my grandson is seven, and I remember I was like going, you know, he's in first grade. I said, this is about the time that I got my big swimming lesson from my father. And I'll never forget, it was in Ripley, Mississippi, and there's a Tippa County Lake is right there, much like our lake here in our city. And there was this pier that went all the way out, and it took a, a left, and as you went out there, you know, obviously with a pier, it starts in the shallow water and then moves toward the deeper water. And my dad was convinced that there was only one way to learn how to swim and overcome my fear. So he picked me up and I cannot imagine what he told me because I do not remember, but the man must have lied to me. I know, I know he, Pastor Paul couldn't do that, but somehow he got me to that pier. I cannot imagine how because I was terrified of deep water. And so dad picked me up and he walked us out the whole time telling me, now son, there's just some lessons that you have to learn at the end of the pier. I remember that part specifically. And I'm like, what lesson? I'm like, what lesson? We get to the edge of the pier and he goes, now son, you need to learn how to swim. I said, I will, Daddy, I will, Daddy. Not here, you know, I, I remember that. And the next thing I remember is the push. He launched me out into the water of Tippa County Lake. You say, well, Pastor, what was that like? It was absolutely terrifying. And I'm pretty certain it might have registered as child abuse. Because here's what I remember. I remember looking back because I turned because I'm looking for my salvation. He should have been my father in the moment. The man who loved me that would cared for me has thrown me to my death. And I remember looking, <laughs> I remember watching as I watched my dad laugh. As I'm falling back and I see the water, as I hit the water, you know, when you hit the water, it closes back over you, you know? And I remember watching the water come back over me as my dad's smiling face like. <laughs> now, there's a lot more to that story, but I'm here today, so that says something. But I can say it does involve my father jumping in with all of his clothes on because he learned that was not a good way to teach me to swim. But I swim to this day, and I remember that there are some lessons that we learn only when we're thrown in the deep end. And as I think about that today, I'm looking at this story that we just shared, and as we talk about that, it reminds me of some big steps that we all need to take. One of those, in a, in a, in a more of a, a doctrinal statement or a, a, a something that we all need to be thinking of is this, today... If you've not been baptized, or maybe you got baptized when you were a little kid because your mama made you. 
You know, maybe there's a place in your life when you've made an adult decision to follow Jesus that you also need to follow the Lord in water baptism as that adult who made your own decision for Christ. So I want to ask you that if that's you, make sure you get signed up. Because I believe it's a very important experience for every single person. And uh, it's a powerful experience. And we would love to share that with you. But sometimes the next step of your walk with God comes only after a big step. Some of you are saying, well, I don't want to get baptized in front of people. I don't like to be in front of people. That's horrifying. You know what? Take the step. And watch what God would do. Because baptism is your public confession of the choice that you've made. So as we talk about that, choices, the things in our life. So let's look at this really quickly because I think there's some powerful things in this scripture that we can look at. So the first start is here. And your first key thought is this, that to live with big faith, to live with big faith, you must get your mind right when God puts demand on your resource. Here's why I think this is important. To live with big faith, you must get your mind right when God puts demand on your resource. You know what I see in people's lives is that we all want God to do something in our lives, but we don't want to do anything to get there. We're waiting on God to do it instead of doing something while we're waiting. Now, it also comes to this. A lot of times what happens is we come into a situation and God makes a demand on our resource or asks us to do something. There's a need. There's something that needs to be done. And we look at it, we go, eh, that's not what God's called me to. I want you to think about that for a minute. What I will tell you is you need to get your mind right for God to use you like you desire to be used. You've got to get your mind right and realize that sometimes you've got to take a faith that you don't know anything about. Sometimes it's as simple as, you know what, God, I, I, I don't, this doesn't make any sense. I've already done this. I'm good at this and it didn't work. I know what I'm doing. Sometimes we've got to come to the place where we get our mindset in the right place so that when God puts a demand on us, we'll see that and respond to it. This is a cool story because when we see this, picture this, all right? These guys have been out all night, and they've been fishing, doing this, and they're good at it, right? Now, this is before they get called. This is the moment that they're called to follow Jesus. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And as we watch this story unfold, what you see is Jesus coming up. There's crowds coming around already as he preaches and teaches and does what he cre- was created and brought, came there to do. And as he's there, I think it's fascinating to realize that They're up there mending their nets, doing the things that they do, all that stuff, and they had to be a little bit frustrated. You know, have you ever been frustrated in your walk with God? Have you ever had challenges to your faith? I think this is a good picture where Peter was really frustrated, had to be. As a matter of fact, he mentions it once again in verse 5, right, where he says, you know, we've been here and caught nothing. So, He's frustrated, but something in Peter, and I think this is why God really, when you see, like, when he told Peter, Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church, he really a lot signified and really singled out Peter a whole lot. So in this, I think it's a heart thing. I think he saw the openness of humanity in Peter's life, because every time you see Peter in these stories, he would be broken, 
when he made a mistake, it would break him, it would crush him, and he had such a humbleness about God. And we see this beyond in this story because later after that story, I didn't go that far for sake of time, but in the story, it says when Jesus had done that, he threw himself to the ground and said, I'm not worthy, I am a sinner. God had just done this miracle. I mean, Jesus had just shown up and did this, and that's what he's doing. And I thought, what a beautiful picture of how we need to be when God shows up in our lives and we realize we don't deserve the blessings of God because of who we are. We get the blessings of God because of who he is and because he's grafted us into his family. And our past doesn't matter anymore because he's made us new. I love that picture. But I love this. So Jesus is walking through and he sees the boats and he just gets in. I mean, there was no thought of like, you know, in the, scripturally, now it may, there may have been some things inside that that we don't know about in scripture that's not written in the scripture. But in this moment, it says he's walking through there, he sees the two boats and he gets in one. Now I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes just for a moment. Simon is, is sitting there, they're mending nets and obviously they knew of Jesus. They knew what was going on in the area. That couldn't have been anything new. There were multitudes following him already. And here he is, the dude gets in your boat. And you're like, really? Could you not gone in, couldn't you get in John's boat? I mean, just think about it for a minute. You're tired, you're frustrated. And now this guy gets in the boat and wants you to take him out so that he can preach. Now, I, I, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times when we see a need and we see a challenge in front of us, and instead of going, okay, let me respond, our first thing is like going, really? You know, it's kind of like, uh, it, how many of you are married? How many married people we got in here today? Mar married folks, married folks, okay. All right, how many realize, now my wife taught me this, that it is the man's job to take care of the trash? Anybody? All right, it doesn't matter if it doesn't weigh much. It doesn't matter if it's full of this. It's only, it matters when they think it's full. Because I'm convinced a full trash can is when the top's being pushed off, right? Anyway, so, so sometimes Tawana will be there and, you know, I'm doing something very spiritual because that's what I do. And she'll say, did you get the trash? <sighs> it's not full yet. It's full. Okay. With all the boldness that we men have, we go get the trash and take it out. But what is the difference to Tawana when she says, hey, Clay, can you get the trash? You got it, baby. Let me go get, I'm going to get it right now. I'm not going to get it once. I'm going to get it twice. Is there any other trash in the house? Let me take care. What else do you need, darling? I can tell you there's a, there's a, there's a benefit to responding the way you're expected to respond. So now put yourself in the, in the avenue that Jesus gets in his boat and he's tired and he's frustrated, but there's a need. Because Jesus is getting overwhelmed 
with people, and he's being pushed and pushed and pushed. There's a boat. There's an opportunity. So what if Peter, because of his mindset, never even thought about not helping, even through his frustration? I believe that was the case because the scripture does not say anything else. He doesn't say, well, Peter was like looking at his guys, at his friends saying, going, I guess I'll do it since none of y'all are. It wasn't like any of that. The Bible just says Jesus was in the boat. The next thing we know is he's asking Simon Peter to push it out a little further. And Peter obeyed. Now, I want you to think for a moment is this. Was Peter in that moment do you think he felt called to be the boatman for Jesus? I don't think that was even a consideration because Jesus hadn't even called them to follow him yet. That's in the next section. And when you see this picture, you start thinking, well, wait a minute. So what I want to point this to is this. Peter saw, or Jesus had a need. Peter saw that Jesus had a need. And what did Peter do? He responded to the need, even if it wasn't what he wanted to do in the moment. How many times do we feel like God has called us to something, but the door of opportunity doesn't look like what we feel called to, and we say, no, thank you. See, I could tell you in my brief story in, in this, and I'll tell it very quickly, is this. I was having this conversation with David earlier uh, uh, yesterday, is, is this. I never wanted to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a preacher. You know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and, you know, it's like you had to have a certain hairstyle to be a preacher. I was like, yeah, I ain't doing that. You know, but, but I didn't want that for my life. I, I wanted to do some other things and, and all that, but, but here's what happened for me as I made that decision to follow Christ and start listening to his leading. One day my dad came to me and said, Clay, your brother desperately needs help in the youth department. And I looked at him and said, don't even think about it. I don't like kids. As a matter of fact, at that time, I didn't like people. But anyway, that's a whole other thing. But the th idea was this. I don't want, I, Dad, if I do that, it's, it's every Wednesday night. Are you kidding? And these kids, oh, they're, they're, oh, they're teenagers. Half of them don't know how to use deodorant yet, Lord. It's like, I'm, Dad, Dad, I don't want to do this. And you guys all know, I promise, it's all good. It's a different generation. <laughs> but think about this. So dad asked me to do that, and I reluctantly, because there was a need, I didn't tell dad, like, no. I said, of course, I'll go see what I can do. Little did I know that he had an ulterior motive because he saw something that I didn't see. And Jesus saw something in Peter that Simon Peter didn't see at the moment. So what if part of the journey is that Jesus sees something in you because he was part of the, the process of creating you for a purpose, and he sees something in you that you might not understand yet, but the pathway to get to where God's called you to be in the fullness of your call requires this moment. And if you say no to that moment. Do you see how that can alter things in your future? We need to develop the mindset that Peter had in this moment of saying, God, I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to do it. If you, if you put it in front of me, I'm going to do it because I want to make sure that my mind is right whenever that opportunity arises because I want to make sure that I'm being who you need me to be in the moment because I don't want to miss the big picture. And sometimes that's that step of faith. Sometimes that's that place right there that's like, okay, God, you're throwing me in the deep end. But the thing about Jesus is that he never lets us drown. See, the end of the story with my dad was he jumped in and he saved me because I would have died. Because I was just going down, 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 down. (laughs) And he pulled me out and we, I remember he was laughing the whole time we got out of the water. He's pushing me up on the deck. Oh, no, no, that's not how it happened. As he pushed me up, well, you can't climb back up. There wasn't a ladder on the pier. So we had to go all the way back up. And I don't know if you've ever been into a lake. It ain't like, uh, it was mud. You know, it's not like the beach. It was mud. And we had to wander through that. It was awful. But I, I remember dad laughing the entire time. And it's kind of like Jesus in your life is this, is, yeah, He might throw you in the deep end, but he's not going to leave you. So that's where the confidence comes when choices arise and opportunities arise that say, look, trust me, I'm putting this in front of you for a purpose. I remember my dad's training program for young ministers was this. They would come in. I'll tell you the story of one guy who shall remain nameless because he's a missionary in Bogota, Colombia now. But anyway... uh, I remember this guy coming in. He wanted to be a pastor. He wanted to be a minister, and he was in training. And as he was training, he came in. So he showed up to for his training time, and he showed up. In those days, you know, they wore full suits, you know. And he, he had his suit on and his tie and all that stuff. And Dad said, well, good. You're here. He goes, I'm ready. I'm ready. And Dad said, well, here's the first lesson to learn is you need a change of clothes. He said, I didn't bring a change of clothes. Well, you can do it in your suit. It's fine. He goes, go out to that room out there and there's a closet and go out there. That back wall in such and such room needs to be painted. So go ahead and get the paint stuff out and start painting. The guy was, he was like, are you kidding? That's not what I was called to do. But yet it was part of the process of learning what you needed to learn to do what God called you to do. And some of you are missing the mark because you're not willing to do the small things that God's put in front of you because it's not great enough. Can I tell you that you don't know what your future looks like? You don't have that picture, but Jesus does. Just as he did with Peter. He knew in that moment that Peter was going to be who he created him to be. He knew all the things that was going to happen in that life. And he knew the importance of these moments for Peter. So I'm telling you, as we read this, this was a challenge that Peter had to meet. Because sometimes we've got to get our mind right. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, that says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into what? Captivity. To the obedience of Christ. This is a skill set that you need to develop in your life. You need to develop this. Why? Because there's always going to be thoughts 
there's always going to be negativity. There's always going to be these things of doubt that the enemy is going to try to plant seeds into your life. He's going to try to convince you that, oh, this is not for you or, or this isn't good enough. How dare they ask you to do this or whatever. All those different things that happen in life. And we need to realize that. But the scripture says if you'll learn this skill set, take that thought into captivity. Because even if you're getting thrown in the deep end, Jesus is never going to leave you. If you get a diagnosis that seems impossible, you get a diagnosis and it's like, well, what's the answer to this? What's the answer? Don't worry. Don't stress over it as much. I know that's easy to say when you're not the person going through it. But remember this. Jesus is never going to leave you in that moment. He loves you. He's going to walk with you. And he's not going to let you drown. It's an important thing to remember. I love this because as we step into the next thing, you need to understand that when you're facing obstacles and you're frustrated, and we all get there. I mean, I know some of you are like super spiritual. And it's like, no, Pastor, I don't get frustrated. I just take it to the Lord. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like going, yeah, I want to slap you too. Because we all human, right? There's moments. I mean, I can tell you as a pastor, there are times I'm going, oh, sweet Lord in heaven. My dad used to call it the spirit of slap. You ever had that come on you? Anyway, okay, we'll stop. But when you're facing obstacles and you're frustrated, here's what I want to tell you should do is this. You need to start framing your next moment with words of faith. When you feel like something's in front of you that's too big for you or too small for you, and you feel challenged by it, sometimes it's your pride that's being challenged. And you need to really say, okay, <laughs> The words that come out of my mouth in the next moment will really affect the next level that God's trying to take me to. So I need to frame in my mind the moment that's in front of me so that I don't say something really stupid and hinder my growth. I'll never forget I had a guy come to me and uh, he was uh, working on staff and, and he came to me one day and, and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you about my next level. And I said, okay. I said, let's talk about it. Because I already knew, I'd, in my mind, I'd, God had already settled some things in my heart. I knew that there was a transition. I knew there were some changes. All those things, God had already done it. He came down and sat with me and, and said, well, I just feel like it's this. If, if this doesn't happen, then I need to talk about an exit strategy. And I said, man, that's awesome. Thank you. Because I wanted to talk to you about an exit strategy too. He looks at me like, huh? And I said, no, it's true. God really spoke to you because that's what he was dealing with me. So let's talk about this. So I'm thinking about three weeks from now, you're gone. You know, it's that kind of conversation. And he got up, went out. Anyway, so, but the point I'm trying to make is that sometimes we don't see and now he's excelling at the next level that God took him to. And it wouldn't have happened if he had a box on what he was feeling in his spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is that sometimes we get so afraid of what might happen that we don't trust God with what needs to happen. So when we get frustrated in those moments, we've got to frame our mind. And can I just tell you this? Uh, and here's what this is. I'm going to spend just a second on this because this is important. What time is it? Oh. So, 
doggone Holy Spirit and the worship, man. So here's what I need to say, and I'll start moving real fast. Okay, in 2 Kings chapter 3, there's a story about the prophet coming and the king who has been kind of off kilter and not serving God the way he should, all that stuff. He's coming to him and he's needing a blessing, all this stuff. He's wanting all this stuff that's in a drought. Okay, that's it. So the prophet had to get his mind right because he even says to the king, what should I have to do with you, you heathen? That's kind of, I mean, that's clay talk, but that's what he was saying. And in that, he says, well, leave me and send in the, the, the stringed instrument. Or so he's like, I need to get my head right before I make the next decision. Even the prophet did. And then he says something very interesting. He says, dig ditches before the rain comes. And this is such a powerful statement for you to get in your heart. Because if you're believing for God to do big things in your life, to take you to new levels, to use you in ways, and trust me, in this world we live in, we need people who are digging ditches. We need people who are believing for bigger things and so that we can see the revival that we need to see in our nation. But you gotta dig the ditches, then God sends the rain. Because if God sends the rain, you don't have the ditches, it just, it's a flash flood. So here's my point with this, and it's a very easy point. Start digging your ditches. You want God to do something magnificent in your life? Look at the small things and take care of the small things. Nobody wants to dig a ditch. Nobody wants to do that. How bad do you want God to move in your life? How bad do you want to see an anointing in your life that supersedes all the bad stuff that's already happened in your life? Because when you want it bad enough, you'll dig some ditches. You will. And can I just say this? Because we live in a lazy, lazy culture. Is this. You know what? Just a little note for you. If you want to see God move in your life and you want to see the bigger things, stop scrolling and start working. Right? Amen. Let me keep moving. I'm going to share just a couple more scriptures with you and, and wrap this up. Isaiah chapter 54. I love this scripture and it fits this so well. And uh, this is in the voice translation. So I, I consider it a commentary, not a translation. But it says this, enlarge your house. You're going to need a bigger place. Don't underestimate the amount of room that you'll need. So build, build, build. You will increase in every direction to fill the world. Your offspring will take over the nations. Your people will revitalize long abandoned towns. This is a promise for a certain time, right? But think about this. All of that required something. You had to enlarge your vision. That takes work, right? You're going to need a bigger place, so don't underestimate the amount of room you need, so build. And any time in Scripture when it repeats something, it's really emphasizing in a big way. So build, build, build. Y'all, it takes work to see the fruition of your call to be made manifest in the world around you. So think with eyes of faith. Think thoughts of faith. And remember that doubt and fear will always say it's hopeless. Realize that those are not the voices of God. God does not seed doubt and he doesn't seed fear and he will never say it's hopeless because God is always able, right? That's so powerful. Let me give you one more key thought and we'll wrap it up. If you wanna go deeper, then you must get your expectation in alignment with God's word. 
You say, well, Pastor, why is that so important? Because too many times in life what I see is when, when God's leading us down a path and it doesn't look like we thought it would look like, we defer, well, that must not be God. Can I just tell you right now that if I had have listened to those thoughts when I started in ministry all those years ago, I would have never made it to this point in my life. Because the enemy's goal is to misdirect you to keep you off kilter. So when you hear those, those seeds of doubt and fear and all those things and it's kind of coming in that hopelessness comes on you, maybe if you start thinking of it, you know what? I must be on the right track because if the enemy's trying so hard to convince me that I'm hopeless, then I must be right on the edge of my breakthrough. I must be right on the edge and I can tell you that's really true. So many times in our lives, verse five, and this is the last thought I wanna leave you with. In verse 5, it says, Master, we have toiled, because he says, go out, cast your net, right? That's what he's talking about. Do this. And Simon's answer is, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we will let down the net. Here's my challenge for everyone in this room and everybody that's listening today, is come to the place where you realize you need a nevertheless kind of faith. God, if it doesn't look like what I thought it would look like, nevertheless, I'm going to be obedient. God, if things aren't going my way and things seem awfully hard and it's difficult, nevertheless, I will follow you. Lord, I got a diagnosis and I don't like it and I don't understand it. I don't know why bad things come upon good people. But Father, nevertheless, I will not lose hope. I will hang on. I will stand strong on my faith and know that even if you don't heal me, you're still with me. Nevertheless, I'm gonna stand, Right? I think it's a nevertheless kind of faith that changes things because it brings us to the Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 idea of now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us, immeasurable. So I'm telling you this, God can do incredible things in your life. But he's looking for someone who's gonna say, you know what? I'm gonna trust God in the little things. I'm gonna trust God when it doesn't look like what I thought it would. When I'm in a dark season, I'm in pain. I don't understand why people have betrayed me and I don't understand why relationships have fallen by the wayside. I don't understand all these things, but nevertheless, I will stay true to what you called me to. That's powerful. So the question I would ask now is, what kind of spirit is at work in you right now? Because this is what the scripture says. It's according to the spirit that's at work within us. Are you walking in a spirit of faith? Are you walking in a spirit of fear? It's a big, it's a big question. So look at your situation, look at your circumstance, look at the place where you're frustrated and ask yourself that. When it comes to that situation, what are my thoughts? What is my focus? What is my direction? Am I living and speaking in faith or am I living and thinking and speaking with doubt and hopelessness? Then that right there, my friends, is the moment 
when Jesus is standing in your boat and you have a choice to respond or stay in your misery, in your frustration and in your hurt and anger. It all comes down to choices and I want you to walk in big faith. I want you to believe for better and bigger because God in this season is gonna be doing some things that will blow your mind. It's God setting it up. If you can't see the setup, you're, you're blind. Because God is setting up an incredible move and we're seeing it every day. So let's stay faithful, stay strong. And remember, there's lessons that have to be learned in the deep end. But the joy of life comes when you can swim in deep water. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, today as we close our time together, Father, you have called us to great things. And Lord, the potential just within this room is staggering. But Father, many of us need to understand that scripture and develop the habit of taking thoughts captive. So Lord, I speak to every heart in this room that God Doubt, fear, unbelief, anxiety, hopelessness. Father, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that where those thoughts are, they will be replaced with thoughts of the promises of God. The words that you've spoken over our lives, that you created us for. So, Lord, I ask that you would convict our hearts so that we can be better for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today and you say, Pastor, man, that's me. I've allowed my thoughts to keep me pulled back and not doing for the kingdom. And I realize there's some things I need to shift. I, I need to get my mind right. I'm going to be praying for you this week. And you say, Pastor, that's me. I just want you to slip your hand up right where you are and say, Pastor, be praying for me because I'm getting my mind right. And I need you to make up your mind. I'm making it right. Just keep them up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep, hands going up all over. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am in the back. Yes, sir. In the back. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. I'm almost through. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. You can place your hands back down. Now I'm going to ask one more question. It's the most important question that we're going to ask today. You're here today, and you say, Pastor Clay, I know that my life's not right. I know there's sin in my life, and I need to come to Jesus. Maybe you've never made that decision before, and today is that day. Or maybe you're someone who's walked with the Lord before. You made a decision a long time ago, but then life happened, and you lost your way, and pretty soon your relationship with God was so distant that it practically didn't exist. And you say, today, I need to come home. I need to repent of my sins. I need Jesus.
whichever you are, I don't want you to leave here today without the opportunity to make a decision. Because the truth is, especially in the day we live, we do not know what tomorrow holds. I want you to make a decision for Jesus. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not gonna embarrass you today, but you're here and you say, Pastor, that's me. Would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor, remember me? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep, keep, keep them up for a little bit longer. Thank you, thank you. Amen, you can place your hands back down. Now I'm gonna ask everyone in the room to stand to your feet. I'm gonna ask our altar workers and pastors that are available to make their way to the front to receive people for prayer. And we're gonna say a couple prayers. And then I'm gonna speak a blessing. We're gonna open these altars and listen, we'll stay here as long as we need to to pray over you because there is something powerful about believers coming into agreement and then laying on of hands. It's a powerful thing. And we want you to walk out of this place free, healed, whatever your situation is, we know God can and we believe he will. So today, you raise your hand that first time and said, be praying for me. I'm praying for you. And I'm expecting you to have your mind right, which means when your mind's right, you're gonna start seeing opportunity. You're gonna start seeing that and I'm believing you're gonna walk through that. I wanna hear your testimony because that's important. And the last thing we're gonna do right now is this. You raise your hand and said, I need Jesus. We're gonna say a prayer as a family all across the room, simple prayer. But I have an ask of you. And simply this, tell somebody about the decision that you're making today. I know in the world we live in, sometimes it feels like, well, who am I gonna tell? I don't have anybody. Yes, you do. You've got us. And we will walk as far as you'll let us walk with you. We love you. I'm grateful for you. But don't try to walk this alone. We need each other. So we're going to pray this prayer as a family. Would you pray it with me, guys? Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. I repent of my sin, and I turn away from my past. Today I am forgiven. I'm a new creation, and I belong to Jesus. I give myself to you, Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Come on, give the Lord some praise for that.